Corey, you want to come up and let me pray for you, and you can jump in. Not jump in there just yet. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we, we are so grateful to you. Father, for the, um, the testimonies of the folks in this room that, Father, we do believe. These truths are, are so precious. God's so holy. And I thank you, Lord God, that, and I pray that they are truths that speak of us. That, Father, we really do believe by the supernatural gift of regeneration, Lord, you have given us faith. You have given us the sweet freshness of being born again. Father, what a miraculous work of the Spirit of God. Father, I pray for my brother as he opens up your word. I pray you would speak through him. You'd use Corey today, God, to bless your people and to bless his own soul to open up the text. I pray and ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. Is this thing on? <laughs> All right. So I want to give a quick intro this morning. And by the way, that last song, I mean, what an appropriate, <laughs> appropriate song for today. It's our confession of our faith. And we'll get to experience that here in a little bit. Um, but a quick intro, uh, my wife and I and our two boys, uh, we served as full-time missionaries in Honduras uh, for four years and then in Oaxaca, Mexico for another four years. Make sure this is... All right. And um, we left the U.S. in late 2020 uh, due to the pandemic and different things that God was leading us to do. Um, our boys were six and ten when we, uh, when we returned to the... or when we went to Honduras. Um, and we came back to, to train new missionaries um, through Mission Training International based in Colorado Springs. Um, they train missionaries going all over the world, um, and we're still missionaries, just preparing other missionaries to go and use our experiences to help them. Um, so I'll touch on that a little later this morning in Sunday school as well, plus at the end of this message I'll share a little bit about that. Um, but after this, I want to make, I thought it was appropriate today to talk about baptism, obviously, because we're going to celebrate baptisms today. And... Just want to give a little synopsis of what baptism means and how important it is. Um, Dan shared earlier uh, the Great Commission, um, and it just happens that I'm going to be sharing that on, this, on that this morning, as well as what baptism means um, with the Great Commission. It's more, more than dunking in water, as, as you know, but it's an act of deep meaning. Um, and how it relates to you, me, um, Mom, and Vicki this morning um, first, I'd like to read from God's Word, um, and I'd like to pray before that as well, so we can get, get His perspective on what this means. So, Father God, we thank you for this morning. I just pray that uh, what I speak is your words, your truth coming out. I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to hear from you and your Spirit leading this morning, and that would, we'd be convicted by it and want to make change in our lives that needs to be um, make changes in. And so we, we thank you for your presence with us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, kind of set the scene. Um, I want to read from Matthew uh, 28, starting in verse 16. 
Um, Jesus rose from the dead. Um, he had appeared to his disciples, and he instructed them to go to the, the mountain near Galilee. So starting in verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. And that ends in verse 20 there. So what, we, what can we learn from baptism? Number one, as we read in verse 19, um, Jesus commanded us that we baptize, to make disciples. Make disciples and baptize. Um, and that, baptism gets its meaning, its, its meaning from the death of Jesus. Um, in our place for our sins, he died for us so that we can triumph over death um, in his resurrection. And that guarantees our new and everlasting life. And we also learn from Jesus um, that baptism has meaning and importance only because of his death and resurrection. Um, and it's profoundly important to, to our, our rescue from God's wrath and, and from our everlast, for our everlasting joy in his presence, now and into eternity. And that's, what, that's the point I want to make first. Um, so in this scripture, uh, verse 19, it says, uh, make disciples. That's the main verb. It's an action word. Um, and having gone, gone everywhere, um, to baptize them. Uh, we make disciples of all nations. Um, and the defining words of baptizing them and teaching them. So the, the church is commanded to do this. Uh, for all disciples, all believers in, in Christ. Uh, making disciples of all nations includes baptizing them. And so um, the time frame is defined in the scripture by the promise of Christ's help in verse 20. Um, we can read, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The promise of help is, is for as long as this age lasts. For as long as we live or when Christ returns. Um, so no, the number two thing I want to express about baptism is it's the union with Christ in his death and resurrection. Um, so the clearest teaching on this is actually in uh, Romans 6, uh, starting in verse 3. So if you could turn there with me. So verse 3. Do you, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So in order that, that's the emphasis I want to put here, we were buried with him in baptism into death, um, so that... Just as Christ was raised from the dead, um, we too might walk in newness of life. We're raised from the dead. So in, in the wider text of Romans, um, let me be clear that baptism, baptism is not the means of our being united with Christ. Um, in Romans, faith is the means by which we are united with Christ um, and justified. So we, we show this faith 
we, say faith, we say this faith, we signify it, um, and we symbolize it um, with the act of baptism. Um, it's our outward expression of our faith in Jesus. Uh, faith unites us to Christ, and baptism symbolizes it. So it's just like my wedding ring. Um, this is a, a pretty good analogy of this. This, this is a solid, a solid gold band. It's one of the most precious metals that we have. Um, it represents the, the precious treasure we have in Jesus. And it's, it's a ring. It's everlasting. It goes around and around. Um, but when we put this ring on, when we do our marriage vows, we say, with this, we, with, with this ring, I thee wed. When we say that, we don't mean that the ring is the, what makes us married. The ring does not make us married. It's just the thing. Um, it's the covenant that symbolizes. Um, it shows the covenant that symbolizes. So when, with our words, we say, I do, and I marry you. This represents that. So in the same way, baptism represents our faith in Christ. So in a similar way, um, Paul is saying in Romans, um, with this baptism, you are united in Christ. And the point I'm focusing on here is that we're united with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. So let me repeat Romans 3, 6, 3, and 4 again. Uh, we were ba- buried, with, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Or we too might be raised from the dead. Um, so the imagery of baptism is death, burial, and resurrection. Christ was buried and raised to new life, and so are we. Um, baptism also dramatically uh, portrays what happens spiritually when you receive Christ. Uh, your old self and unbelief and rebellion and idolatry die. Um, and you live, you, 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 your new faith, um, and you have a submission and a, a treasuring of, of Christ comes into being. Um, that's what you confess to the world um, and to heaven when you are baptized. Um, baptism means doing this immersing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, as Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, there is a, a holy appeal in this command uh, to the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit um, to be present in this act and, and make it real in what it says about their work. And I want to emphasize that. That's their work. Um, in redemption, meaning being redeemed, being made new, um, being bought back with the price, Jesus' death, his resurrection, he paid for our sins. We live because he paid for our sins. Um, so I want to read on in Romans 6, uh, continuing on in verse 5. For if we... Excuse me, I need some water. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Let me emphasize that one more time. If we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, 
because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I don't know a a better picture of our baptism representing our faith in Jesus than, than this in Scripture. So in the context of Romans 6, uh, Paul was reminding the church that they're not obligated to sin. Um, before we put our faith in Jesus, um, before he changes us, um, we, didn't, we didn't know the freedom yet that we had in him um, from sin. So before we were slaves to it, uh, just like a slave is, is shackled to his master, uh, we were slaves to sin. We were shackled to him. Um, and we did whatever our master told us to do. There really is only two masters. There's, there's God and there's the world, Satan. He's the ruler of the world. Um, but do we still sin after we're, we're believers, after we put faith in Jesus? Yes, we do. But we're not in bondage to sin. We don't have to sin. We're not ruled by our master uh, to sin. We're ruled by our God, our master, to live righteously, and he sees us as perfect because of Jesus. Um, so the longer we're in Christ, the longer we're believers, the more we see him change our desires, change our heart. Uh, we want to honor him more and more and more because of what he's done for us and what he does for us today, not just on the cross and in the resurrection, but today. Um, He shows his power to us, and his real working power in us is what enables us to to resist sin and to take the way out of sin. And so, obviously, that's the work of the Holy Spirit, and that's the third part of what Jesus told us to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, So, Romans 12.2, Paul continues his thought later on, says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So it's a lot like, I always think about like a caterpillar and how it goes into a cocoon and it turns into a butterfly. Um, It's a transformation happening inside of that cocoon. And it's actually literally, literally transformed from one creature to another. And it has a different function before and a different function after. It can't fly as a caterpillar. And it doesn't crawl, or, and it doesn't crawl as a butterfly like it did as a caterpillar. Um, it eats different things. It's a completely new creation. And that's who we should be in Christ with the Holy Spirit leading us. Um, our hearts and minds should be changed and transformed. That means an ongoing process um, throughout our lifetime. Um, and that should also reflect off of us. We should be like a mirror uh, reflecting the light of Jesus. And it should affect people around us. So the, the hope and the joy that we have inside of us um, should ooze. It should infect other people around us. Um, and then people will wonder why we have this joy 
and we ooze this, this joy out of us. Um, we can also learn from baptism that, um, as I mentioned, it's the Holy Spirit that changes us, and he shows his fruit in us uh, through that. So um, sometime during the, the 42 days um, after Jesus' resurrection um, and his ascension into heaven, uh, before Pentecost, uh, we can read in Acts 1-4, um, Jesus gives more instructions uh, to the disciples. So Acts 1-4 reads, On one occasion, while they were eating with them, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So you see in verse 5, for John baptized with water. They understood what baptism meant. John had been baptizing. It was a sign of, of, of faith. Um, but they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. They didn't understand what that meant. Um, and of course they received the Holy Spirit um, just as Jesus told them in Acts 2, um, not long after Jesus spoke this to them. Um, but going back to the, the marriage analogy, um, I don't know how many people in here are married. Let's have a raise of hands to see how many people are married. Okay, so about half, half of you, so, or have been married. Um, so you all understand that as time goes on in marriage, um, you get to know the other person. Um, when Kirsten and I were married, we've been married 28 years this summer. Um, everything seems fresh when you're newly married. It's new, it's exciting, um, and innocent, or I should, should say it's kind of without experience <laughs> as newlyweds. Um, but as time goes on, you learn what other person likes and or don't, doesn't like. Um, and you learn their quirkiness and um, kind of what, what makes them go off and what makes them calm down. And uh, they learn all that about you too. Um, and you have to adjust. You have a give and take. <laughs> She's laughing at me. <laughs> um, but you have to give and take. You have to, it's a very humbling experience being married. Um, and you have to own your wrongs. Um, and you have to... Marriage... Marriage is like, um, it shows the, number one, it shows the true depravity of man in, in our sinfulness, um, but it also shows the true beauty and purpose that God designed for marriage. Um, it exposes our weaknesses, um, and in order to grow deeper with our spouse, we have to make changes in how we live, how we communicate, and how we think of them and ourselves. And it's the same, it's the same with Christ. It's, it's an expression of our relationship with God. And I'm not saying there's, I'm sure there's people in here that are not married or haven't been married. Um, I'm not saying that they don't understand this expression. Um, they do. Um, because we can see it in God's word. And Jesus calls, is called the husband of the church. Um, and the church is called the bride of Christ. He expresses his love to the church through this image and understanding of the institution of marriage. 
And so we need the Holy Spirit to convict us, bottom line, um, to counsel us, to be our helper. Jesus called him our helper, um, to expose the sin in our hearts and replace it with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That's not something we muster up on ourselves by ourselves. Uh, that only comes from God, and he should receive glory for that. Um, again, I'll repeat Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses all over the world. And so we need to rely on, on God and his Spirit to change us inside in order to respond to, to him in the way that we need to. Um, he will change us if we are willing to let him change us. Um, I was recently, I was thinking about Easter, and more and more um, I get excited about Easter. The longer I'm in Christ, the more I look forward to Easter. Christmas is amazing too, but Easter, I mean, the death and resurrection of Jesus, it wouldn't, we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that. Um, but what, what overjoys me about that is what I'm talking about today. It's a celebration of resurrected life. That's Easter. We celebrate Jesus raising from the dead um, because he defeated death. We no longer have to fear death. He, he took the sins of the world upon himself on the cross. So we no longer have to fear condemnation from God. Uh, he was our, and it stood in place for us. Um, it's the outward symbolism of new life. The old is gone, the new is here. Uh, it made me think about spring, too, and the fact that Easter is in springtime. Um, I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, but um, the, looking around, you see the, the new leaves coming out, the flowers coming out. Um, there's a lot of green. There's definitely a lot of green here in, in Oregon. You kind of forget that when you're outside a while. <laughs> um, so we live in Colorado, Colorado Springs now, and um, in the winter in Colorado, um, everything goes dormant, including the grass. So the grass is not green in the winter in Colorado. It's brown. Um, all the leaves lose their, or all the trees lose their leaves, and uh, the only thing green is the pine and the spruce trees. Um, but we we go up on a on a sandstone bluff near our house and go on hikes. And um, the bluff is about three to four hundred feet high, about as high as uh, Cape Kiwanda, and we can look over the city from it. And we look down on the, all the trees, and uh, we see spring budding. We see the, the flowers and the trees coming out and the leaves popping out and these bright green. And the color of the grass is still brown. That's the last thing to, to turn green. But um, there is an extreme contrast in that. And it's just you look down and you just see green and color everywhere because of the brown grass underneath everything. And that's one of the things that, um, I wanted to emphasize too is uh, we actually work with somebody. Uh, he's one of the trainers at MTI. Um, he's one of the founders as well. Uh, he worked for Wycliffe for several years, served in Vietnam during the Vietnam War, um, and then was in the Philippines uh, during the um, after the war. And then he helped uh, start the language part of MTI, where we teach missionaries how to learn language. And his his, we, we have, he has a, a quote we, we hear from him often, every program, and he says, contrast is the mother of clarity. Um, and it made me think about all of those leaves and, the, and the, the flowers blooming on the trees 
and the brown grass and how there's contrast in that. Um, and it's like when you look at a painting, like this painting on the wall over here, um, the more contrast that a painting has, the, the realer it looks. It looks more real. And that's the same for us. Um, the more contrast we have, the more we look different from the world around us, the more real we look. And, and people want to know why we have that contrast. Um, so just like flowers growing in a brown landscape, we need to be those flowers growing in the world. So um, I've had the honor of baptizing many people over the years. Um, in Mexico, one of our friends there, Oscar, um, that my mom and dad had an opportunity to meet, um, he gave his life to Christ. And he was baptized in the ocean, the Pacific Ocean there. And he used to be um, a hitman. And he was paid to come up to the U.S. to certain cities and, and kill people for a living. And God got a hold of him and completely transformed him. Now, he's paid the price for, for those things that he did. He's been in prison, and, and he served his time. Um, but God transformed him. He, he made Oscar have extreme contrast, extreme contrast. Um, he has shared his faith with hundreds, if not thousands, of people um, in the few years that he's known Christ. Um, but he once killed people for a living, and now he's used by God to save people. And it's a lot like Paul. Um, Paul says himself in Romans, in Romans 7, 24, What a wretched man am I! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So that's the power I'm talking about. Paul was a, um, he knew his depravity. He knew he was a sinful man. He used to kill Christians. So a lot like Oscar, but he was in the business of killing specifically Christians. And God got a hold of him and transformed him and, and made him a leader of the church we know today. Um, so, we don't all have this contrast, obviously, uh, but we do have contrast from coming from sin to life, from death to life. Um, it doesn't matter what we did before. We could have lied before, um, and outside of Christ, we're in death. Um, but we are new creations uh, because of Jesus. Um, so I, God wants us to use all our connections, and this is a, a commission to you, uh, from me in seeing how God has used people like Oscar around the world and regular people that don't have the history like Oscar, but God wants to use all our connections, all our resources, and all our experiences to make disciples. Um, he, wants, he wants this so that we live the lives we're created to live. Um, he's a good father that loves his children. So your, your neighbors, people in this town, um, some of you might be called to go to another city, um, and that's what Jesus calls Judea and Samaria, or to the ends of the earth, to another country. Um, we had no desire to, honestly, we had no desire to go to another country to share the gospel. We were just fine in Salem, doing our thing. <laughs> but when God puts that, that deep conviction in your heart to go share his message of hope and redemption to people, you can't deny it, and it's, it's a joy and honor to, to serve him. Um, 
I want to share a little bit about, um, actually, let me, let me end this with, again, Romans. I guess it's more like a, uh, a message on Romans than the Great Commission, but it's all part of the Great Commission. Uh, Romans 6.23, one of my favorite verses. Um, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that's the most valuable treasure we have is actually a free gift. It's the gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus. It's a free gift. Um, recently we were talking at um, MTI, we have kind of a theme before each, each uh, training program. And this last program was uh, treasure. And about the, the man that found a treasure in a field. And um, it was such a great treasure. He, he dug it up and he buried it back in the field, went and sold everything he had. And um, went back and had that treasure. And that's Jesus. Jesus is our treasure. And nothing else matters in this world. It's a, it's a free gift yet it's a treasure. Um, so I want to share a little bit about um, how MTI works, um, and then we can talk more after, after the service um, in Sunday school. But just for those of you that won't be around, I wanted to share a little bit about it. Um, so we're no longer on the foreign mission field, but we are now making disciples of, of people around the world through other missionaries. Um, we're training missionaries to go all over the world. And these missionaries are learning skills for them to be effective um, in the long term. Um, Mission Training International has been around for 65 years. And it's the number one mission training organization in the United States, in North America, actually. Um, and we train over, um, we, we use, we're associated with over 100 mission organizations in the U.S., um, and there's a pre-field program. It's called Compass. That's what my wife and I uh, train in. It's four weeks long. Um, we, we teach things like language acquisition, how to learn a language. Dwight is up there with us. He's 86 years old and, and still teaching on a regular basis. The guy has a, something to, to follow for me. Uh, we teach enculturation, which essentially is like how to see things differently in other cultures um, we teach a paradox, which is uh, we use these little rubber duckies. Um, one's a clean duck and one's a, a dirty duck, and it's the pair of ducks. Um, and that's really something that sticks with them because <laughs> paradox, paradox. <laughs> Some of you got it right away. But, <laughs> but um, no, but, but that really sticks with them because it's the joys um, and it's the sorrows. And we have to embrace both. Um, not just on the foreign mission field, but in life. If we don't, if we don't love deeply and love through the, through the, through the sorrows and the, and the pains of life, uh, we, we, we can't, if we, if we pat ourselves and we push those things off and, and, and don't have sorrow because of those things, um, of people dying and passing on, uh, whatever it is, uh, we can't love greatly. Um, it's that paradox. It's the paradox that, that flow together, that swim together um, in unison. Sometimes the, the, the yuck duck, is what we call it, is in the front, and sometimes the yay duck's in the front. But they always swim together. And so that's one of the main things that we, we teach them about, how to embrace the things that they will encounter um, in, in the foreign field. Uh, we teach about knowing values. Um, 
seeing a broader view of God um, through other cultures um, really deepens your, your view of God. Um, and they, they even use different scriptures to, to support their, their biblical view on, on different cultural things, like we do. We do the same thing. Um, we teach them transitions, um, how to go from here to there and there back again, um, and culture shock, um, chaos in the center of all of that, how to deal with the stress that they're encountering with that, and how to deal with conflict. Um, most people don't know that the number one reason missionaries leave the mission field is because of other missionaries or other teammates. And that's tragic. That shouldn't be the way it is because we are the church. We should be reflecting Jesus. Um, and then grief and loss and saying goodbyes. We go through some pretty, pretty hard things. Um, and we want to flesh this stuff out with them so that, so that they can have a safe place where they can talk about it with, with us and other trainers um, so that they don't end up unloading that on the mission field in ways that's unhealthy. Um, they're taking the message of the gospel um, overseas, um, but they're also taking themselves. And so they have to be adhering and, and doing what they need to do uh, in this training to, to be the messenger and the message. So, so now we're back in the U.S. doing this training and our work as, as missionaries making disciples is now multiplied. And that's what makes me excited because there's, there's no way we could have done this expanse of, of multiplication of making disciples where we were in Mexico or Honduras. Um, not that that's, that's where God called us, um, but um, that's just what excites me, excites Kirsten, is that we're making disciples around the world um, through these missionaries. Um, so as a result, they're able to share the good news. They're able to make more disciples, um, and more people give their lives to Christ. That's, that's what it's all about. We need to be sharing that um, with everybody we come in contact with. Um, that is the Great Commission. Um, that is being baptized. Um, it's the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, and I would love to talk to you personally um, afterwards. If you have more questions about any of this, um, we like to just kind of keep it almost like a Q&A uh, with the Sunday School and, and kind of start it off with some basic facts. But um, just thank you for letting me come and share with you this morning. And, and I hope this sticks with you and, and uh, you share your faith with your neighbors um, and your family members. And uh, before, I, before I close in prayer, uh, I was on the phone um, the other day with my sister, and she's in Alaska right now. And they're planning to move to Alaska. <laughs> Sorry, I get a little choked up. Um, but it makes me so happy because um, she's sharing her faith with her neighbors. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> um, this is our heart. So people share their faith with those that are around them. And she's been there for, what, two months total? Um, they bought a, they had a cabin that they would go up to over the last uh, 20 years. And they bought a house just this last fall. And she actually went there this winter to see if she could actually bear the Alaska winters. And she was there for about a month and um, in the darkness. And she's like, okay, I think I can do this. And so she was telling me that she was uh, invited one of her neighbors over um, for lunch, and, and in that lunch, 
um, her neighbor is in all kinds of worldly things that, um, that we see all the time. Um, but she actually shared her faith. She, she prayed before the meal. Um, and then her neighbor started asking her questions about what she prayed and what she believed. And it's just a simple prayer, praying before a meal. And that got open doors for her to share her faith with, with her neighbor. And she doesn't want to come back <laughs> because she's making these connections and she's seeing God open doors for her. So um, I pray that for you. I pray that you would, you would see uh, what God is doing around you. Um, be aware of the Spirit's leading and guiding, and even in a simple prayer. Um, so I'll pray.